Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. And before we do, we're in the midst of a series entitled Together. And this morning, the title of the message is Enjoying Christ Together. Our church motto has been from the beginning, exalting, proclaiming, and enjoying Jesus Christ. We've talked about exalting Christ together. We've talked about proclaiming Christ together. And we're going to talk this morning about enjoying Christ together. And I'm really looking forward to this time together with you. Really looking forward to celebrating communion at the end of the service together with all those here who have believed in Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Let's read God's Word together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, the title of the message is Enjoying Jesus Christ together. Let's pray. Lord, on this September 11th morning, the 15 year anniversary of the attack on September 11th, Lord, we look out on this world and we recognize we need a Savior. This sin-torn world so desperately needs regeneration, to be born again, to be transformed, to be saved. And Lord, we as your church have been born again. We have been saved. We have the glorious gospel within us. And we have it in our hearts. We have Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. And Lord, I pray that you would cause us as your people to enjoy you, to enjoy your salvation in our lives and to to shine forth the light of your son into this dark and broken world that so desperately needs to hear about Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort all those who mourn this morning and you would cause the light of the gospel of your son to come forth into their hearts and cause them to be born again to a living hope the way you have us. Lord, I pray that we would prepare our hearts for communion and partaking of the Lord's Supper this morning, that this entire service would be about remembering your broken body and your shed blood, Almighty God, and we would be amazed that you would have loved us so much, that you would have given your own son up to die and sacrifice himself for our sins in order to save us from the wrath of God. 
We are so grateful for that sacrifice. And Lord, we pray that you would cause us, Holy Spirit, to enjoy the beautiful and wonderful fruits of that great salvation in our lives as a result of hearing your word preached this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, Ben preached last week in Philippians chapter 2 from the same letter. The context here in Philippians chapter 4 is there are a couple of different women within the church that are in disagreement and there is tension. But one of the things that you see here is this transition in verse 4 to rejoice in the Lord always. This call, this this command of the Lord to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice in Christ always. Again, I will say, rejoice. To let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand. The call to do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are so burdened for you as your pastors that you would have the the peace of God reigning over your heart, that when you are living your Christian life, there would be a rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice It's hard sometimes to look at that verse and think, how is this even possible in this world that even in our opening prayer we remembered is so torn up by the fall and so damaged underneath of the fall due to sin. But we see the power of Almighty God bringing forth redemption through His Son. But often our eyes aren't open to see it. Often we can't see the way the Lord is secretly moving and Thus, not having the eyes of faith turned to the power of God on the move, we can sometimes give ourselves over to being anxious about everything rather than fulfilling what the Word of God calls us to here, to not be anxious about anything, but to give ourselves to prayer, watching and waiting and believing and rejoicing In this wonderful God who has given His Son to die on the cross for sinners. This wonderful rock, our God, who is immutable, who does not change, and whose steadfast love endures forever. Brothers and sisters, I pray that this message would be a time where the enjoyment of your Christian life the joy of your salvation would be restored unto you by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are many weary souls in our midst, and I pray that if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that you would come to the Lord Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and He will give you rest that you will take His yoke upon you, that you would submit to Christ as your Lord and your Savior, turning from your sins and believing in Christ and being forgiven of all your sins, that you might enjoy Jesus Christ for the very first time. But for those of you who have been believers for many years, and that would describe 
so many of you in our church, this sin-torn world underneath of the fall can weary the strongest and most stoutest heart. But remembering Jesus Christ risen from the dead and His finished work on the cross is enough to bolster us and to lift us up out from underneath of the anxiety of living in this fallen world and cause our eyes once again to rejoice in the second coming of Jesus Christ, that this world as it is right now is not all there is, and it's heading toward a glorious climax where we will be taken to be with the Lord forever in heaven. As Josh reminded us this morning so well in worship. And so I want to speak here for just a few moments about point one, just enjoying Christ. Enjoying Christ. We can enjoy Jesus Christ here. This passage talks about rejoice in the Lord. Always. It's interesting here that it doesn't just say rejoice always. It says rejoice because of this very reason. Rejoice in the Lord. God has done something glorious. He has sent His own Son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, to come and take on flesh and to dwell amongst us and to bear our sins on the cross. Who He is is an amazing King of kings and Lord of lords who has won victory over sin and Satan and the grave. And we can rejoice in this glorious King, this resurrected Lord, And allow our hearts to be bolstered this morning to enjoy Him for who He is. I wonder how many of you would describe your Christian lives as that of one that is a a one that you are enjoying Him. Savoring Him. I think so often we, and I think often this is an attack of the evil one, that Satan seeks to blind us to the way that God is, as the Scriptures say here in Philippians 4, I love this verse, verse 5b, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He is indeed. And we can take great enjoyment in the fact that the One who loved loved us and gave Himself for us is reigning on His throne and is ruling over all of the affairs of the universe and all of the affairs of this world. He's sovereign. And He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I was thinking about the story of Peter in John chapter 21 where Jesus, after He has risen from the grave, is standing on the shore by the Sea of Galilee and He's about to blow their minds (laughs) Calling them to, hey, have you caught any fish? Why don't you throw your net in on the other side? And they do after a night of not catching anything. And the haul of fish is so great that they bring in. They can barely get the nets out of the water. It's sinking the boats. And all of a sudden, Peter recognizing, it's the Lord. And he, with great delight, 
even though he's very aware that he's denied the Lord three times in fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus had that he would indeed do so, he doesn't let anything, not even his sin, hinder him from jumping in to the sea and swimming to beat the fish-laden boat to the shore to get to Jesus and to lay hold of him. And, oh, you can imagine the sweet reunion of Peter running to get as close to Jesus as fast as he possibly can. Brothers and sisters, that type of spirit is meant to mark our devotional life. That type of spirit is meant to mark how we pursue Christ and enjoy Christ. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he's the one who is at hand, not just in Peter's life, but in our life as well. The resurrected Lord is beckoning us to come and join him. And may it be that we can't get there fast enough. And may we as a local church together have a spirit of enjoying Christ so deeply that at, at just even the sound of his voice, we are jumping in the ocean and swimming as fast as we can to get to him. I'm thinking of the Apostle John leaning on Jesus the night of the Lord's Supper. Just the closeness and the intimacy he had with his Lord. Of course, later in Revelation chapter 1, when John sees the resurrected Christ in all of his glory, he falls at his feet as though dead. But there's this holiness of this majestic King of Kings, and yet there's this King of Kings who's about to lay down his life on the cross and shed his blood for John's sins. And John is able, though, to lean his head on the breast of Jesus, and it doesn't seem that Jesus in any way recoiled from that, but you just imagine Christ just drawing him close with great love. I'm really affected by this spirit church and the one of the type of devotion I believe Christ is calling us to have in this church body together. And that's one of enjoying Christ and following him in this triumphant call all the way to heaven. There's this pastor in the 1600s in England named Richard Sibbs, and I was reading a biography on him, and one of the things it said about Richard Sibbs is that Sibbs saw God as, quote, the great friend. Do you see God as the great friend? Do you see Him in that light in your life? Do you know how much He loves you? He did not spare His own Son. But He freely gave Him for you. That you might be reconciled to Him. And receive the gift of eternal life. And Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, as it says in John chapter 15, He calls us friends. And more than that, we have been adopted by God the Father into His very own family. We are those of us who have repented of our sins and trusted in Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus Christ calls us friends. Do you see God as the great friend? Do you have that close personal relationship with Him where you can 
draw near to Him in that spirit of leaning your head on His chest and just saying, Jesus, You're everything to me. I love You. I'm so grateful for You to have You in my life. Wretched sinner though I am, I am now forgiven. I am cleansed by Your shed blood on the cross. And I delight to draw near to You. And often what we can forget is that God delights in us. We can start to fail to see God as the great friend. We can start to not look at Him in that light. We see this passage of Scripture here that this closeness and this intimacy with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is meant to cause our hearts, this great salvation we've received and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is meant to cause our hearts to rejoice and The call here is to rejoice in Christ. To rejoice in the Lord always. Now brothers and sisters, we can tend to compartmentalize our lives where we have sort of a God switch. For when we come to church, we come to care group, the the God switch goes on. And we know that we're talking about God now, we're thinking about God now, and we're drawing near to God now. But but, but when we're out from underneath of those moments, the God switch goes off and we move out from that and we start thinking about the rest of our lives. We have this tendency, don't we, to compartmentalize our lives rather than to think of worship and enjoying Christ as a 24-7-365 experience where we walk daily in the awareness of the goodness of the gospel in our lives and the fact that He has loved us and He has given Himself for us, I believe the Lord wants us to decompartmentalize our lives and not have these lines in our lives that cause us to think of God during only certain times of the week, but not on others. That was one of the great differences that took place in my life when I became a Christian in my senior year in high school. And my life was very compartmentalized. And when I went to church on Sunday, I would sing the songs. And, and I would even knew the songs by heart and I would sing them, but my heart wasn't close to Christ. But then when I was at school and I was out playing the sports that I was in and doing the other activities of fun that I enjoyed, God was very far from my thoughts. And when I was so blessed by God to have my heart transformed in my senior year of high school, one of the things that changed was that all of a sudden, God was God and Jesus Christ was King of Kings and Lord of Lords 24-7-365. I couldn't get Him off my mind. Nobody had to tell me to read my Bible because I loved to read my Bible because to draw near to this great Savior who loved me and had mercy on me was the only thing that mattered. And that has been how it's been. There's been no turning point like that one in my life. And I'm so thankful that He transformed my Christian life from one of just simply going through the motions of church life and this experience of following Him with a heartless religion into one where, like the Apostle Peter, jumping out into the water and swimming to Jesus as fast as he can get there, that's what's meant to be when we rejoice in the Lord always. That's what it's meant to look like when we are called to enjoy Jesus Christ together. May that Spirit ever increasingly mark our entire individual Christian lives. And brothers and sisters of Christ Community Church, may that Spirit mark our entire church life together 
as well. May our worship never become mere form. May we be a congregation of people filled with sinners amazed by God's amazing grace and amazed that Christ would call us to draw near. And may the spirit of our worship be one of Peter jumping out of the boat to swim as fast as he can go to get there. May we all have a personal, close relationship. God, Holy Spirit, please bless everybody in this church, every man, woman, and child with this precious gift of a close, personal relationship that rejoices in the Lord. Not just at particular times of the week, but rejoices in the Lord always. You know, one of the things I was meditating on in relation to this passage is it's, it's one thing, to, not hard in a stretch of the imagination, to think of rejoicing in the Lord when we're singing at church on Sunday. But we tend not to think in terms of concepts like rejoicing in the Lord when we're watching the Eagles game after church on Sunday. Or when we're enjoying some other pleasure, earthly pleasure, a holy earthly pleasure that the Lord has so kindly given And one of the reasons we tend not to do that is we often turn things like that into idols that we love more than God. And where earthly pleasures have been transformed into idols, we need to repent over where our excitement and our enthusiasm, our passion, our focus is more toward other things than Christ. Certainly we need to repent of that. But... I believe also that God calls us to rejoice in Him always and to enjoy those holy pleasures, those holy earthly pleasures, and to give, as the Scriptures say here, thanksgiving to God, to rejoice in God even while you're watching an Eagles game. Now I say this because this is week one And the Eagles are playing this afternoon. And I'm going to be enjoying the game this afternoon. I'm looking forward to watching it. My wife Shannon and I both are Eagles fans. And we love to watch the Eagles games. We tend not to think of those moments though as spiritual experiences. And so God is really not in our thoughts. And it's things like that, like Eagles games, or for some of you it might be a favorite video game, or a favorite movie you're looking forward to coming out sometime soon, or some Netflix series you're really excited to watch later on. Our hearts tend to leap toward excitement, towards things we're anticipating and we're excited about. And brothers and sisters... Certainly, we must not have our hearts leaping with more excitement for those things more than Christ. But brothers and sisters, there's goals and hobbies and pursuits and longings that we have that aren't necessarily idolatrous or evil in and of themselves. They're things that God has given to us graciously to enjoy, and He wants us to enjoy them in Him. I think enjoying those things with thanksgiving to God protects us from turning them into idols. Now, the the challenge with this in my own life and in my own personal relationship with God is we can all tend to turn earthly pleasures 
into something that we seize and we lay hold of with both hands. And I've got to have my time. I've got to have that thing that I'm looking forward to with excitement and anticipation. And that is just due to the remaining indwelling sin in our lives. And to rather than to receive pleasure from God with thanksgiving, we tend to seize or take pleasure for ourselves as if it's the only thing that can possibly bring us enjoyment in this life. And so we've constantly got to calibrate our hearts when it comes to earthly pleasures and delights and say, Jesus, you have my heart. I love you most. I rejoice in you most. I delight myself in you far above every other earthly delight. I delight myself in you far more than I do this Eagles game or this video game or this movie coming out or this Netflix series or some goal, hobby, pursuit, some longing that you have to always recalibrate and say, Jesus, you have my heart. That is a longing in my heart, this earthly pleasure to experience it. But Jesus, I don't love that more than I love you. And tell him that. Tell him that in your personal relationship with him. Because when we do, I believe that our earthly delights can serve and cause me to actually thank God and delight in God more. To enjoy God. 24 7, 365, more. Enjoying football as from the Lord, from God. You know, I was thinking about this. It's God who has created hands. To throw and to catch. And God who has created eyes to be able to see. God who's given us legs to run fast and to jump high. And God who's given us hearts to love to see individuals, men and women running and doing wonderful things. I was so blessed during the Olympics watching the American women's gymnastics team go for gold. And the wonderful eye-hand coordination. That's from God. Flipping through the air and sticking a landing. I can't help but think, that was awesome. You're awesome, God. To be able to create athletes to be able to do such things. We can give delight to God. We can worship God in it. It doesn't need to turn into an idol. And I think one of the ways that we can protect ourselves from things becoming idols is for us when we hit the game on this afternoon to with great delight in our hearts say, thank you, God. The God who gives, listen to this, the God who gives relaxation. You know, hell is going to be the very definition of never getting rest. For unbelievers, there will be, the, for those who have never, never repent and never trust in Jesus Christ and die in their sin, the just judgment of God that will fall upon them for eternity will be, as the scriptures say, they will be tormented day and night. That's how evil sin is against God. We, none of us, deserve rest and relaxation 
But God gives rest and relaxation to his beloved children. And he gives rest and relaxation to the lost who do not think about him or give him glory. And yet he gives it to them kindly anyway, seeking to beckon them to come to me, come to me. I'm the God who has given you such delight and such pleasure. And yet they never do. This is the only relaxation and rest and enjoyment they will ever get throughout all of eternity. But for us, brothers and sisters, God has been so kind to give us rest and relaxation in the midst of our crazy, busy lives. And you're meant to enjoy it and not feel guilty about it. Holy and consecrated leisure unto God is a gift from God and meant to be enjoyed and not just in and of itself, but to Enjoy it in Christ as the author of relaxation and of all holy earthly pleasures and delights. Sports, recreation, food, naps after the football game. All of these wonderful, happy things. May there be many whispered prayers up to God in our midst that just simply say, thank you, God. That feeling of reprieve, of putting your head down and just about drifting off to sleep, to say to the Lord, none of these pleasures do I deserve, God, but I give thanks to you for it, and I enjoy it as from you, and I enjoy it unto you. I believe, brothers and sisters, it will cause us to love it in the right way. So that we don't lay hold of it and seize it as an idol, as is often the case. But I think we can safeguard ourselves from doing that by giving thanks to God, enjoying Christ in the earthly pleasures that he gives and thanking him as it being from his hand. Remember that God is the God who in Psalm 16 says, in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God is the God of pleasure And we can give Him glory and enjoy the pleasures that He gives and in right proportion. We can allow those pleasures to cause our hearts to love Him and delight in Him more. To rejoice in Him and enjoy Him always. I think it's wonderful here in this passage that it says not only to lift up prayers and supplication, Not just making requests of God, but to do that with thanksgiving. A thankful heart. A thankful heart is a heart that will enjoy Jesus Christ and will be protected from turning earthly pleasures into false gods and idols that we live for the way the world lives for them. And please understand, I'm not advocating for, for, for that. I'm advocating for us being different. We enjoy and we get excited. And it's okay that you get excited. But make sure that your excitement for those things never exceeds your excitement for Jesus Christ. 
and His great salvation of you. And make sure that when you're enjoying those things, you're always saying, Thank you, God. Thank you. I don't deserve this rest. I don't deserve, in light of my sinfulness, I deserve to be in hell right now. But here I am with friends, family, watching a game, or whatever your delight and enjoyment is, giving thanks to God for it. Thank you for this pleasure, God. It keeps us from idolizing that pleasure and causes us to enjoy God in that pleasure. You never would think it's possible to actually grow closer to Christ while enjoying a Jesus, while enjoying an Eagles game. (laughs) You can actually grow closer to Christ and not farther away. By coming away and resting a while and enjoying that which God has created without giving ourselves over to the tendency to fixate on our earthly pleasures and delights and substitute them in place of God and push God down and focus on those other things. It's possible to do just that. And I pray that God would give you grace. Whatever your earthly delights are, whatever your pursuits are, that God would protect you and safeguard you and safeguard me from ever putting those things first in our hearts. I love that hymn, Thou and Thou Only, First in my heart. And let's just keep saying to him, God, you have my heart. While you're jumping up and down when Carson Wentz throws his first touchdown pass. The thought that God can actually take delight in that is something that's so foreign from some of our brains. And that's why we compartmentalize our lives and we think that that is somehow unspiritual or somehow just inherently worldly. When the reality of it is, when we give thanks to our God, we can actually rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. We can enjoy Christ as the great friend. And we can enjoy God as the one who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. To reconcile us as estranged sinners unto Him. To adopt us into His very own family. That we might now, brothers and sisters, be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. Oh, the love of God. That we would be called the children of God. May we enjoy Christ. May we enjoy Also, His presence. I love this passage. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He's near. He dwells in you, brothers and sisters. Those of you who are born again, you have Christ dwelling in you. In your hearts, by faith. He is near you. He's at hand. Brothers and sisters, anxiety comes from forgetting that God is at hand. Enjoyment of the Christian life comes from remembering God is at hand. Whatever you have going on in your life right now, no matter how stressful it is, listen, my dear brothers, 
My dear sisters, God's got it. He's got it. He has delivered you from the wrath to come. He has saved your soul. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up, gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If he loved his, loved us so much to send his son to die for us, he's also, brothers and sisters, not going to fail to get this situation. He's got you. The Lord is at hand. Let that cause you to, as Psalm 37 verse 4 says, let that cause you to delight yourself in the Lord. The Lord's at hand. He's at hand with this child in our parenting of Him. He's at hand with all these stresses that are in our lives. He's at hand with this first couple weeks of school and the assignments that are coming down heavy upon me. He's at hand. God's got this. He's got my future in His hands. He's got every day of my life written in His book before one of them came to be. The Lord is at hand. Let the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, come and flow unto you, brothers and sisters in Christ, as you remember the Lord is at hand. And the Lord loves you and has given Himself for, for you. Psalm 34, verse 10 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. It's a promise. Whatever you're going through, whatever affliction, and we will have afflictions, the Lord will deliver you from them all. Take heart. Believe in the promise of God and not what your own mind in the flesh is telling you. You know, one of my worst tendencies, I think, in my characters is a tendency that I can just forecast at times, just doomsday scenarios playing out, and I can really be greatly tempted by those scenarios when they come. And we need to remember the Word of God and allow the Word of God to refresh and renew our minds, like Romans 12 says, and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds according to the Word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. God's never promised us a trouble-free life. Jesus said, CB, in this world you will have trouble. Brothers and sisters of Christ's community, in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, because Christ has overcome them all. That's how we can rejoice in the Lord always. I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but Christ has got it. And I'm resting in Him and in His hands. We can enjoy Christ's presence. We can enjoy Christ's grip of grace. You know, I was thinking in this passage here that there's sin mentioned in, in verses 2 and 3 related to a couple different women in the church or who are having conflict in Philippi. And, and it's interesting here that even though there's, there's battle between Yodia and Syntyche and there's this call of Paul writing to these two beloved women to agree in the Lord, and that has happened from the very beginning in the church all the way unto this day. We must not be surprised by difficulty or conflict that arises within the church. We just deal with it. We deal with it according to the Word of God. We, we fight and strive for unity in the Spirit through the bonds of peace. We fight to agree in the Lord. I, I find it so interesting here that even though there's this tension and this conflict... The Apostle Paul says, 
Hey, you know, yeah, they're having this tough issue here. But you know what? These ladies have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. And I love them for it. That's what Paul remembers about Iodia and Syntyche. You know what else he remembers? He says, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Oh yeah, let me, let me, let me not forget this, by the way. Uh, whose names are written in the book of life. I love that all is not resolved between Iodia and Syntyche in the church. And there's tensions. And Paul's even writing to it. They, they need to repent. They need to come together. And they need to agree in the Lord. They need to humble themselves and come. And, and make sure that they're not standing on their own opinion. And standing distant from one another. But they're coming together. And they're fighting and striving for unity and love and reconciliation. And all these things are happening. But it's a process. And sometimes it can even get ugly within the church. But you see here what's taking place. Paul's saying, hey, let's not forget these ladies along with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers, uh, their names are written in the book of life. Aren't you so thankful, brothers and sisters in Christ, that your remaining sin doesn't ever erase your name from the book of life? Oh, drink that down deep. Drink that good news down. You are all, along with me, struggling with remaining indwelling sin. You've got battles. At times you're thinking, my goodness, where is this coming from? Am I even growing? You're looking and what is happening here? You know what? God's got you. He's got you. He's got this. He's got you. And you know what? Nothing is ever going to separate you from the love of God in Christ. God, in the midst of all this, you know what the promise is over this in Romans 8? He's for you and not against you. Satan is coming again and again and whispering lies in your ear saying that God is not for you. He's against you. You battle that with the truth of the word and say, Satan, get behind me. God is for me. He's for me. He's not against me because the word of God says that he's for me. And no one can ever snatch me from his hand. Nothing will ever erase my name from the book of life. I was so affected reading in John chapter 10 where Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. In John 10, 28, you know what the word says? Jesus says to his church, no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's something to enjoy. You having a hard time? Feeling like your grip is slipping? Well, you know what? The Christian life isn't about your grip. Or my grip. The Christian life is about Christ's grip. And he never lets go. He has purpose to lay hold of you. And though all Satan and all of his legions from hell come against you. God is for you. And no one will ever snatch you out of Christ's hand. That precious truth is meant to cause you to be ministered unto this morning by the Holy Spirit. And may God grant it so even right now, before we partake of communion, may you be at peace. May you be at peace. May you delight yourself in these truths. May you be comforted, my dear embattled sister, my dear embattled brother in the Lord, The battle is the Lord's. And as we sung this morning, He fights for us. He sustains us by 
His grace and His power. I was reading in 1 Corinthians 1, 8, my quiet times. Oh, this is why you have quiet times. Right here, brothers and sisters. This is why you have devotional times. I was reading this past week in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8. Uh, love this verse. Love this little dagger to the devil. This is a great verse of Scripture. You know what it says about Christ? 1 Corinthians 1, 8, quote, who will sustain you to the end. It doesn't matter how you feel. That's the word. It doesn't matter how much you feel like things go up and down and fluctuate. He doesn't fluctuate. As we've been looking at and worshiping him for all this service, he's a rock. And he's got you. And when he lays hold, he never lets go. This is how we can come to enjoy Him. This is how we can come every moment and every day of our lives to say, God, thank you so much for this and that. And to whisper up many prayers to God because He is dwelling within us and He is with you. The Lord is at hand who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless. In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guiltless. In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you believer. I got good news for you. You want a word over your life? Guiltless. Aren't you so thankful for that? I am so thankful for that truth. Guiltless. You're guiltless right now with the declared righteousness over you through your precious justification given to you as a free gift of God. And you know what's going to happen on the final day? Some of you are still feeling, fearing the final day of judgment. You're fearing what that day when you see Jesus face to face is going to be like. And it's somehow the hammer's going to fall then. Dear brother and sister, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That finished work of Christ is over you now and it will be over you then. You are safe and secure under the salvation of Almighty God. And with that, I'd like to ask our ushers to go forth and to distribute the bread and the cup. Let us Remember, let us quiet our hearts. Why don't you turn to God in prayer? Tell Him how much you love Him. Tell Him how awesome He is to you. Tell Him how grateful you are that out of millions of people lost and heading for hell, He would have come and saved a wretch like you and me. Tell him how much he means to you. Tell him how grateful you are. Tell him how much you enjoy him being in your life. Tell him how grateful you are for his amazing grace and steadfast love that has never fluctuated over your life. Tell them that you're thankful. That he's at hand.
Oh, lift up your prayers and your supplications before God. To do that with thanksgiving. Because God has been so very good to us, brothers and sisters of Christ's community. And we can enjoy Him together. Because of His broken body and shed blood on the cross for sinners. Let us remind ourselves this day that God did not have to do that sacrifice. In our rebellion and our sin against Him, He would have been perfectly just to let us go on and on in our sin and to die in our sin and to have no hope of remedy and to go into a Christless eternity in hell receiving His just punishment and wrath forever. He didn't have to do it. But brothers and sisters, the good news of the precious broken body and shed blood of our Lord is that He did. The reason we are guiltless and will be guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that our names are in the book of life. The reason is, Philippians chapter 3 verse 21 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. It's because God is for us. He's not against us. How could we ever doubt it? God forgive us for not believing it sometimes. Turn our hearts to believing Your Word and trusting in Your promise. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's going to transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Christ's body was broken. His blood was shed. He died on the cross. And He rose from the dead. And He did all of that because He loved you so much. Do you believe it? Do you believe He loves you? Do you believe He loves you personally? He does. Believer. And this morning, it's His great delight to remind you again through communion as you remember as evidence of that love that on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. And He said, this is my body. 
given for you. Let us partake of the bread and remember the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And after saying, take, eat, this is my body, he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us remember the shed blood of our Lord that was shed to atone for our sins. That right now, we who believe in His name might be guiltless and have the assurance of knowing we will be guiltless on the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you so much, God. I'll let us close in prayer. Oh Lord, how often it is the case that we're not enjoying the Christian life. Somehow there's things that tend to rob and suck out all the enjoyment, Lord, of being your son, being your daughter. No doubt the evil one is often at work seeking to sow doubt into our hearts about how you are so for us and you're not against us and that your plans for our life are good plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And Lord, the lies of the evil one are incessant and pound against us. But Lord, even though our ancient foe is cruel and armed with hate, We thank you for the great victory you have won over him and over our sin and over death in the grave through the cross and the resurrection. We take great delight in you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pour forth greater delight and enjoyment of you and this glorious, glorious salvation that you have brought about over our lives, that we would delight as your sons and as your daughters of the Most High God, that we would celebrate that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are sons and daughters of the King. Oh, Lord, we love you, Father, and we are so thankful that you sent your Son and that we can now call you friend. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation, Almighty God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch the hearts of every hearer of this passage today. And you would cause great enjoyment to burst forth out of their heart as they take fresh delight in you and in your presence. In you, Jesus, and in your grip of grace And in you, Jesus, in your great salvation, that you will sustain us to the end, guiltless, to the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for being such a great God. 
such a wonderful Savior. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, aren't you so thankful for this wonderful, wonderful Savior that we can enjoy and celebrate and worship? Isn't he awesome? Yeah, he's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Have a great day. And if you like the Eagles, enjoy the Eagles game. If you like the Cowboys or the Steelers, whatever. Um, (laughs) Have a great day, church. Love you so much. God bless you.